Well, welcome to an Everyone Wednesday here on the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and boy, everyone is winning like crazy here on the Bottom Line Show, and I think it's great. All the calls that we are privileged to take in each and every week, and I'm just so thrilled to see the number of people who are calling and winning, whether it's tickets to the Gaither Band performances coming up on March 17th, 18th, and 19th. By the way, we'll have more of those tickets to give away tomorrow here on the program. Um, also, uh, we've had all sorts of uh, goodies from Charles Stanley's ministry and uh, and also the ministry of uh, In Touch, or excuse me, the ministry of In Touch, and also the ministry of um, uh, David Jeremiah and Turning Point. Uh, everyone wins today, so 800-227-5278 if you want to call in and start winning right now. But Roger, I don't know what we're going to win. Well, the primary book we're giving away today is by pastor and author Glenn Damon. Uh, Glenn and I have had a conversation about ministering to the rural church communities, and now uh, he's got a new book out called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. Uh, in the chaos that's happening in the world, I mean, the wild chaos of the war in Ukraine and China and the secular left trying to take over all of the media, and then the good kind of uh, chaos, if you will, in terms of the revivals that are happening in the land. Um, sometimes it's tough to know which is the which is the one to follow and truly listen to, and that lighthouse concept of God being the lighthouse in the midst of a storm. Remember, not every storm comes to uh, knock you over. Some storms come to clear your path. But um, that lighthouse concept is one that Glenn Damon and I are going to get into later this hour. Hey, did you have a chance to see Jesus Revolution over the weekend? I mean, who didn't? I mean, it came out of the shoot in the top spot. I mean, the preview showings were phenomenally fantastic. And it, it doesn't hurt that you've got some pretty big names behind it. I mean, obviously, you've got... Um, You've, you've got a couple of different uh, things going for you. First and foremost, uh, Jesus Revolution stars Kelsey Grammer playing Chuck Smith. Uh, I had read somewhere early on that the uh, comedian Jim Gaffigan was going to play him, but uh, something that changed. And Kelsey Grammer did, and you can tell when you see the interviews, that Kelsey Grammer just, just I, he gave an interview to uh, Kelly Rip, was it Kelly Ripa and uh, Ryan Seacrest on their syndicated show a couple weeks ago and he burst into tears watching a clip and they said boy this really moved you and he said yeah i told my wife i want to do something meaningful i i you know i can i can act i can play fraser crane i can play these different parts but i want to do something meaningful and the reason that he was so drawn to this was he said i'm looking at this church i'm looking at this pastor who's kind of at odds with his denomination this hippie guy comes in uh, the lonnie frisbee character played by jonathan rumi who plays jesus and the chosen and they these young people are just coming and they believe in goodness and light and love. He said, you know, even if you aren't a Christian, um, you know, they're, they're saying it's the love of Christ, but um, even if you aren't a Christian, you, you could still be inspired by this. And he said, I just think we're in such short supply in the world today of hope and encouragement and things of that nature. And I resonate with that 100%. Um, the role of Greg Laurie, played by Jill Courtney, is getting major reviews. And of course, Jonathan Rumi, I, I saw a podcast interview with Greg Laurie and a guy who had a really disturbing hairstyle. I, like, I don't remember the name of the podcast. It looked like he was wearing a hairpiece and it was like a, he looked like a French poodle. I, I don't know who the guy was. He's a Christian guy. But he had made some comments about Greg Laurie and Lonnie Frisbee. And Greg reached out to him and said, hey, if you want to talk, I'll talk. And Greg actually went on his program and it's probably the most unguarded and authentic I've ever seen. Greg Laurie's an authentic guy. He's been on the bottom line many times. But it was just a powerful interview um, where he was talking about Lonnie Frisbee. 
Lonnie doesn't get a lot of recognition in, um, in, in the story of the setup of Calvary Chapel. I think he kind of went on to the vineyard world or whatever. But then Lonnie actually fell away from his faith and uh, he did kind of have a reconciliation with the Lord at some point. But Lonnie's testimony was the catalyst for Chuck Smith turning Calvary Chapel the way it did. And my goodness, the hundreds of different Calvary congregations all over the world and the Jesus people movement, the Jesus music. And, you know, for the past 50 years, it's really been a thing. It's been interesting to see the number of younger people who are looking at the revivals now at Asbury and Cedarville and places like that saying, hey, this is our time for a Jesus revolution at the same time this movie came out. And what's interesting about it is um, to see who is being impacted by this movie because it would be very easy I mean, I'm, I'm, let's, let's not sugarcoat this here. The Jesus People movement was predominantly a California surfer type of thing. I mean, it's interesting when you see the Irwin brothers, who were the co-directors of this movie, talking about what it was like for them. And I think it was John Irwin who said, I only knew about the Jesus People revolution because of the fact that I saw a cover of Time magazine where they'd done the mass baptisms at Pirate's Cove. So it was anecdotal to me. And it's interesting because those who, of us who grew up in Southern California, you know, Chuck Smith is Papa Chuck. I mean, this is, this is something that is ingrained in who we are. Um, but it would be really easy for us to say that in the same way the revival that started on college campuses is for the Zoomers and Generation Z. I think it, the Zoomers are the younger ones, the Generation Z, the Millennials. But uh, just as the Jesus movement was for, you know, the Calvary Chapel crowd. Um, but it's interesting, too, because if you look at the makeup of the people who are coming to faith and coming to the beach and stuff, it's predominantly an Anglo church type of vibe. Maybe a few Hispanics and Asians, but it wasn't really heavy in the you know African-American community. And so you, you can look at this and say, well, this is really great and this is really wonderful. But, you know, well, I'm grateful that true to form, the Irwin brothers chose to bring on Devon Franklin, who's usually behind the scenes. But Devon Franklin plays Josiah Bates. Now, Josiah Bates is the reporter from Time Magazine who wrote the article on, he literally, Pirates Cove, Crota Del Mar area of Newport Beach, uh, where they actually filmed. The, the bulk of this film, by the way, was filmed in Alabama, in case you're wondering. All the interior and the street scenes and stuff like that. Apparently, there are still neighborhoods in Alabama that look like Costa Mesa and Santa Ana did in the 1970s. But when it came to the beach baptism scene, Pirate's Cove, that's where Greg Laurie was baptized. That's where thousands of people have been baptized. And they shot that scene in Pirate's Cove. And Josiah Bates, the reporter for Time Magazine, actually traveled to California and he wanted to see what happened for himself. And so he met Chuck Smith. He met Greg Laurie. Um, he did a cover story on uh, just simply titled Jesus Revolution, which is what the movie is titled. And it's interesting because in the article, Josiah Bates wrote, Jesus is alive and well and living in the radical spiritual fervor of a growing number of young Americans who have proclaimed an extraordinary religious revolution in his name. Their message, the Bible is true, miracles happen, God really did so love the world that he gave it his only begotten son. Um, it's interesting because when uh, Devon Franklin took the role, he gave an interview to the Christian Post and he said, you know, in the film, those who are holding on to tradition are being challenged because the youth movement, the young people are saying, this is for us. 
We want a place and we want to feel wanted. We want to feel accepted. And I feel that those are the same desires that are present in youth culture now that you saw 50 years ago. And the reality is, if the church is the family of God as well as the body of Christ, why do we do such a lousy job of integrating every aspect of the family? If you sit down to family dinner and you've got mom and dad, grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and kids there too, the tone is probably a lot different in terms of how does the family interact than if it's just the adults or if it's just the kids. And I think part of the church problem where we've seen an alienation with the, uh, of the Generation Z and the Generation Zoom is the number of young people who grew up in churches where their baby boomer era parents said, okay, let's build a sanctuary and a worship service that we like, rock and roll, laser lights, stuff like that. By the way, stuff that young kids don't always dig. And then let's have children's church. Let's have a separate sanctuary for the kids. Let's have a whole different department. And by doing that, what we did was not make it better youth ministry. It alienated a lot of kids to the point where once they graduated from high school and went away off to college or into the workforce or wherever, they basically said goodbye to church because I tried it, quote unquote, and it didn't work. But seeing that Devon Franklin is in this movie, Jonathan Rumi with his uh, powerful portrayal of uh, Lonnie Frisbee, and it's a very honest portrayal in this movie. Um, And then Kelsey Grammer. I mean, the cast is spectacular. The direction is wonderful. Wholeheartedly recommend you see this movie. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com, that being the trailer, of course. But I think it's ironic that we were talking about Pirate's Cove here just a moment ago because, let's face it, if you were to go to Pirate's Cove and you were sailing a vessel... If you didn't know where you were supposed to land, you might crash into hard rocks. That's the role of the lighthouse. The lighthouse is a perfect example, metaphor, word, picture, whatever you want, for God and for the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Because when you're sailing the ocean, as we all have to do, there is a way to make it safely to shore, but the lighthouse not only illuminates the way to the shore, it also reminds you this lighthouse is on a rock and these rocks are not safe for you to land on. There will come a day when obviously we run into the arms of Jesus and we say, praise God, this is incredible. But at the same time, right now, while we're on these waves and we're navigating this nautical adventure, the lighthouse is huge. It is a a measure of security while also warning us, don't crash here. This is not your home. Uh, Glenn Damon is a pastor and an author who's written a new book, a powerful one, about understanding the security in the radiance of God's character. The book is simply called The Lighthouse. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Glenn joins me to talk about it coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-BABY. 
888-532-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Today on The Bottom Line, we're going to talk about encouragement, we're going to talk about hope, and we're going to talk about where we find our security. Uh, Dr. Glenn Damon is with me once again here on The Perm to talk about a brand new book of his called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Glenn Damon, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Well, thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here. Glenn Damon has served as pastor of rural churches in Montana, Oregon, and Washington for the past 30 years now. Gosh, we're going on 32. He has served as pastor of River Christian Church, is also on the board of directors of Village Missions as a conference speaker, an author. And we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people maybe, well, we, we, we like the idea of knowing that we have, you know, God's character as our foundation, as our basis. But Sometimes in the world of cultural chaos, it's easy to forget. Uh, why Why do you think so many more Christians are having maybe anxiety about what's happening in the culture right now? Well, certainly, you know, you look at what's going on in our culture, and we are facing a tsunami of rapid change. Mm-hmm. You know, I look I look back at my ministry and, and think, you know, what the world was like when I started 30-some years ago and where it is today. And... If you had asked me back then if we would be where we're at in terms of our culture and our morality today, I would have said, there's no way that can happen. Right. Uh, you know, and so, you know, with that, I think there there has brought a culture of fear in our, in our whole culture at large. Uh, you know, people are always afraid of change, but you have this whole, really this dynamic of fear in our culture. Uh, you know, politics is driven by it, and uh, our culture is is hammered by it. And for the Christian, we get caught up in that that fear. Hmm. Uh, we we fear what's going to happen to fear what's <clears throat> going to happen with our with our children, our grandchildren. Uh, Vance Havner he said this. He says, "Men love everything but righteousness, and fear everything but God." Hmm. It's true not only in our broader culture, uh, but it's also true, I think, even as Christians. And it goes back to that we've lost sight of really the supremacy of God and that our security is not found in our politicians. It's not found in our culture. It's found in our relationship with God. Amen. uh, So so that's where I think it starts, uh, you know, and, and just seeing that, you know, God is sovereign. He's in control of all this. Uh, there's nothing that he's going, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was going to say th- list of things that God never said or never even crossed his mind. You know, how'd that happen? Um, you know, that, that it's just, it's not there. And yet I'm talking with Glenn Damon today here on The Bottom Line about the lighthouse discovering security in the radiance of God's character. I, I think perhaps uh, it's a brilliant analogy, um, allegorical uh, reference to the fact that in the storms that we face in life, and if anybody has any even cursory knowledge of, you know, the Pauline epistles or the, this, that, and the other thing, we understand that storms and the seafaring way, 
kind of in addition to being God's perfect plan for the design for the world, um, it also gives us a chance to understand what it's like to live in a sin-based culture as Christians who are trying to navigate these seas. And the the idea of having a lighthouse that gives us our security uh, is something that might be a new concept for some people who grew up in suburban areas where they don't really spend a lot of time, you know, taking a look at the seaboard and that type of thing. Talk about the importance of the lighthouse, if you will, not only metaphorically, but what it means for the seafaring folk. Well, certainly, you know, when you think about before we had GPS and and all that, uh, you know, that they were dependent upon the stars for their navigation. And if they were in a storm and it's dark at night, you know, they had no way of knowing where they're at or where they're going. And, you know, especially like the Columbia Bar and, and things like that, the Columbia River Bar that was extremely hazardous. So it was that lighthouse that gave them their direction, gave them their point of reference. And, and I think that's really where we're at today in our world. We're, we're looking for a point of reference. Uh, and certainly when we're going through trials and difficulties, that's what we wrestle with. Uh, you know, we wrestle with what is, what is happening and why is this happening? And where is God in all this? Uh, you know, and I look at what Paul says in, in Corinthians, and when he talks about his suffering, he says, you know, I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all of our afflictions. Hmm. Now, I look at Paul, and I think, okay, what's the difference between Paul and myself when I'm going through difficulties? It's not the circumstance. Paul faced far worse than, you know, I can have ever faced in his adversity. But the difference is, is his theology. His mm. view of God, yeah, that that he had a view of God's greatness that says, you know, God's in control. I can yeah. rest in that. I love you know, that. I, that, that well, I love that image, Glenn. Um, we're talking with Glenn Damon for those who are just tuning in into or joining us at myhopenow.com. The Lighthouse is the new book, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. And this is a devotional book that, of sorts where you can read through this over the course of, you know, close to half a year and take a look at different attributes of God. And in some cases, it's going to be discovering security. For others, it's going to be rediscovering. Glenn, something tells me that for many people who profess faith in Christ, they'll take a look at your book and it will be discovering security for the first time, a security that they thought they had, but maybe it turned out to be a false security. Talk about why it's important for us to to understand that uh, uh, that that what that security really means, whether it's in the power of God, the wisdom, the knowledge, those types of attributes. Well, you know, first of all, I think we're all on a journey on this. Uh, you know, I always say that when I get to heaven, my first thought will be, you know, ah, now I finally get it. Yeah. Why did I get so worried about all these things? Right. But, you know, it's his character when we we really start to think about and dwell upon his character. You know, if, if God is big, our problems become small. Yeah. When God becomes small, our problems become big. And when we minimize God's character or we uh, minimize even aspects of his character, what it does is it makes those problems seem overwhelming. Charles Spurgeon, in his one of his messages, said this. He said, uh, would you lose sorrow? Would you drown in your cares? Then go, plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in his immensity. 
and, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. You know, and that's, I think, what we miss in our church today. We've lost that immersing ourselves in God's attributes uh, and resting in that because of who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think we look at, uh, you know, I, I like to take pictures of the Milky Way because mm-hmm. you can capture the, the expanse of heaven that my older eyes especially can't see anymore. <laughs> yeah, but, I know uh, that. Yeah. But, you know, they, they've said, you know, that the furthest star out there now that they've just discovered is 28 billion light years away. Mm. Mm. So I, I did a little calculation, and I'm no scientist here, but uh, the speed of light is, is if you go around the Earth seven times in a second, that's the speed of light. Mm. Now multiply that times 28 billion years wow and the, the bible says that he measures the universe with the span of his hand mm. if god is that big then don't you think he can also take care of us in the midst of our issues don't you think he can control this universe and accomplish what he wants to accomplish that even the circumstances that we're facing in life uh He's not only powerful enough, but he's wise enough to know what is the right outcome, what is the the best way to achieve that outcome, uh, and so we can trust in that. But but I think part of the problem is that you know as human beings, we look at life from the present, from a uh, the present context. God looks at it from an eternal context, and we can't. You know, because we don't see beyond, you know, this moment. So we don't know what the implications are for eternity. God always looks at things from the eternal context. And he says, all things work together for good. He doesn't say all things are good. Right. Yes. Good point. Yeah. Good distinction. Yeah. And, and nor is he the cause of evil, but he is the orchestrator of it, that he can take it and still achieve his eternal purpose. So what seems to us at the moment to be a tragic event or a difficult event, God looks at the outcome and he says, there's going to be good that comes out of this for eternity. You mm-hmm. can't see it, but you got to trust that I, I can accomplish it. And, and that right. gives us, I think, that sense of hope. It certainly does. Glenn Damon is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Pastor Glenn Damon is the author of a book called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and so grateful to have this time to talk to pastor and author Glenn Damon. Today here on the program, we're discussing the concept that he identifies in his book called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And since today is Everyone Wednesday, you'll be thrilled to find out that uh, we have three copies of Glenn Damon's book to give away. And so your chances of winning are excellent. That, that always makes my heart skip a beat in the right direction. 800-227-5278 is the number to call. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line show. This is an interesting devotional, if you will, because it's a good Bible study to understand what God's love is like for us in this world, the security that we have in the same way that if you were a ship on the sea 
and you were sailing in some rough waters and you saw a lighthouse, the lighthouse would tell you a couple things. First, it would tell you there's land here. Secondly, it would also tell you I'm a high hill because that's the reason why you see the lighthouse. It's not typically on the bottom floor of the shore, but rather it's up on a hill. Third, if you're experienced with the sea, you understand that because you are near a lighthouse, you know where the shore is, but this is not where you're going to land. And the illustrations here are perfect. I mean, this is it's a 20-week devotional. So if you want to do this for like a whole half a year at your church in a Bible study, or if you wanted to just maybe do it as a family devotion, the fact that you can, the overarching theme is you find security in God. His power, the more you know him, the wisdom of his that can be ours, uh, the wisdom of God as it pertains to suffering. The fact that we've seen a huge increase over the past three, four, five years in this culture in people attempting suicide, abusing drugs, things of that nature, asking the question, does God really exist? Maybe you've gone through what I like to call a spiritual exile, where a lot of the things that you held dear to in your world spiritually seem like they've fallen apart. And you have to ask the question, is God faithful? Is God true? You know, is he righteous and holy? And It doesn't mean that he isn't. Obviously, he is. It doesn't mean that just because you don't experience him the same way you used to doesn't mean that you won't continue to. But I love this project, and I'm glad we've got three copies of it to give away for the very reason that the reality is, you know, each of us goes through those times when we're on the rough and rough seas, and we need something to kind of anchor us and guide us. Uh, Glenn Damon has written a great book called The Lighthouse, and we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Three copies of this book to give away, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, if you don't get one of the books that we've got from Glenn Damon, we have three of them, The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character, Well, ask Crystal or Teresa or Todd, if he answers the phone, (laughs) um, about some of the other resources that we have available as well. We've got a lot of materials from our ministry partners, uh, Through the Bible, In Touch, Charles Stanley's ministry, Turning Point, David Jeremiah, and more. It's Everyone Wednesday, and not only does everyone win something to have, you know, prize-wise, but everyone wins when we just relish the fact that God loved us enough to send his son to pay the penalty for us, to die on the cross, to take away our sin, and then to allow allow us to live in the newness of life. That is always good news, and that's the bottom line. More of my conversation with Glenn Damon on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Coverlaw used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Stephanie Cover. She knows the other side. 
It certainly does. Glenn Damon is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Pastor Glenn Damon is the author of a book called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, you know, not only can we not see that far, but we couldn't even comprehend it. I mean, it's just it's it's too too great and too wonderful for us. And yet we there are certain things that are of God that we can comprehend. And in a against a backdrop of a world that is losing its collective mind and soul, and I, and I don't mean that you know uh, hysterically. I think that's we would both agree if you look at that very rat- rationally and logically. That's where we are. Uh, case in point, one of the things that gives us security is the truthfulness of God. You write about this in your new book, The Lighthouse. Uh, talk about why the truthfulness of God really does give us security, especially when you hear the phrases, and I, I'll, I'll use the air quotes here, my truth and your truth and things like that. We know that that's not true when someone says, you know, that's your truth. But it kind of wears on us after a while, does it not, Glenn Damon? Well, yeah, well, that's a question that I think the church is wrestling with today is that with this new morality, they're they're accepting that we're more enlightened today than we are. And there's nothing new under the sun. Right. But what is constant is God is not only a God of truth, so he always communicate truth, but he cannot be associated with anything that is false. Mm, mm-hmm. so when he puts his stamp of approval on the, the scriptures and he says that these individuals spoke for me, it will be true. And so the words that he gave 2,000 years ago uh, are just as true because he's the author, and they're just as true for us today as it was back then. So morality doesn't change because morality is grounded in the unchanging God. Right. And so when we look at the world around us with all that's uh, change and the, the shifting of morality, we can go back to scripture and say, this doesn't change. Not because I believe that, but because God says it. And it's not my thoughts. It's not me being wise. It's I trust in the living God who is able to communicate his truth without error uh, to us so that we can know morality. Hmm. I'm talking with uh, pastor and author Glenn Damon today here on The Bottom Line. Dr. Damon is the author of the book called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Glenn, you have an entry in this book that I think might revolutionize society when I think about the crisis of what we call fatherlessness here in the United States and and seemingly all around the world, and how society is basically unraveling right now in a secular sense. I mean, obviously, those of us who have a firm foundation in Christ, we we watch this happening and 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 wonder what the resolution is. Talk about why the fatherhood of God brings us security in a culture, especially where you see fatherlessness at an all-time high. Well, I think I didn't really, you don't really understand that concept until you become a dad. Yeah. yeah. When I became a father, then I began to really grasp what he's trying to convey because I look at my children and, you know, I would do anything for my children. I would, I would lay down my life at a moment's notice for my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nothing can ever change that. It doesn't matter if my children are walking in obedience to me. It doesn't matter if they're going down a pathway that that I disagree with and making decisions that I don't agree with. I'm still their dad, and I will always be their father. And so when when God conveys that, 
I think he's he's conveying to us the deep love that he has for us and mm. and the the care that he gives us. But then he even takes it a, a step further. Not only does he give us that care as a father, but then he says we're now co-heirs with Christ. Amen. That we are elevated into that position of being his his son with an equal status uh that christ has and i don't fully understand that mm -hmm. uh i'm the first to admit that that boggles my mind <laughs> but that's how much he cares for us and that's the privilege he's given us and, and that's why i think the angels have got to be in heaven just sitting there going what what mm -hmm. did he do there because yeah. here's puny man this speck upon this little planet that uh that he is now elevating to the position of being his sons and his daughters. And, and that's our security. And that never changes. He will love us uh, and be our father no matter what. I love that. I love that aspect about him and what you think of what, what kind of transformative power it has, not only in our own lives, we benefit from it once we become uh, grafted in, if you will, into the family of God, but then how it, it plays out in, in us going and doing likewise. And part of the proclamation of the gospel is uh, it involves sharing about his heart for us. I mean, his sovereignty, his fatherhood nature, and uh, it, it really is a it really is a joy. I, we talk about this book, The Lighthouse, by uh, Dr. Glenn Damon, who's my guest today here on The Bottom Line, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. Um, there's a passage of scripture in the Psalms that I love, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desire of your heart. And I remember that aha moment for me when I was leading, a, uh, it was a Bible study for a bunch of high school kids. And we were going around the room asking, you know, what that meant. And, you know, the kids were acting, answering like kids, right? I love God, so God's going to give me what I want. Was kind of the uh, that was the, the the basic answer, the summarization, and being able to share and say, "No, look, it's kind of a circular passage. If you delight yourself in the Lord, and He will grant you the desire of your heart, because you've delighted yourself in the Lord, and now the desires of your heart are what He wants, and et cetera, et cetera." And I think a lot of people in the culture that we're in right now are having a hard time, especially dare I say, in the Western uh, world, even in the United States, where it seemed like the church got what it wanted. And we were delighting ourselves in the Lord, but now it seems like we keep running into legal problems and cultural challenges. And talk about why delighting in God really does help us discover the security we have in him. Well, I think you're right that we tend to view that passage as a blank check, and it's not, because the desire of your heart, if you delight in him, the desire of your heart will be him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, A.W. Tozer, uh, makes this statement he says faith is not one and done it's not a one and done act uh, but a continual gaze at the heart of the triune god mm. Mm. and and i think the the wonder of of god is that he invites us to have a relationship with him that the story of of his redemptive work is a story of of him wanting a relationship with us where we can get to know him and just delight in him. And when he becomes that delight, all of a sudden everything else is, is insignificant. You know, Paul says, you know, I count all things lost that I may know Christ and be found in him. And that's, I think, where we get caught up in the, the blessing of God rather than the delight of God. And, and, and I think that affects our worship even. Sometimes in our worship, we tend to worship and praise him for what he's done for us. Right. And really, we need to focus on let's praise him for who he is, Amen. because that's the greatest thing of all.
Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's why Paul could rejoice in the midst of his sufferings. Because he says, you know, I count it all joy that, and, and he says, you know, it's been granted to me a privilege to suffer on behalf of Christ mm. and to fill up what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. That, uh, he says, I, I count that as a joy. Why? Because his object was not on his present circumstance. His object was on the wonder of his relationship with God and who God was. And that was his joy. Amen. Amen. Well, this has been such a delightful conversation with Dr. Glenn Damon. Uh, the book is called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Glenn, take the last 60 seconds of our time together and kind of give us a, a, a that takeaway nugget, if you will. This is kind of like your chance to do the benediction here with regard to the radiance of God's character and the, the divine security that actually gives us in a very unsettling and changing world. Well, I'll, I'll quote Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he said, the highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy that can ever engage the attention of the child of God is the name, the nature, the work, and the doing, and the existence of our great God, whom we call our Father. Mm. And I think no better statement other than what you find in Scripture, but mm-hmm. uh, that to me is my desire in the book is that as people read the book, they wouldn't look at the book, but they'll look at the God in the Bible and really begin to rejoice in him. Amen. Amen. Well, what a, a great resource to have, and we're grateful to be able to feature it up at thebottomlineshow.com. The Lighthouse is the name of the book, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com, as I just mentioned. Dr. Glenn Damon, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Okay, thanks for having me. Well, what a great resource. And especially if you think about a day like today where the weather has been so weird, um, you know, the storms of life that we talk about and the water that we have to navigate in the ocean, a lighthouse is a really valuable resource. And Glenn Damon's book, The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It is an everyone Wednesday here on The Bottom Line Show. And we have three copies not one not two but three copies of the book to give away uh 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line when the storms of life do rage we know that god is there driving us uh, guiding us and helping us focus on what is really important and i encourage you to take a look at this book i think you're going to love it 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Glenn Damon, The Lighthouse is the book. We've got three copies to give away. Now, what is weirder than snow in Huntington Beach or (laughs) in the Inland Empire or whatever on a day like today? How about the fact that while revival is breaking out all over the land, something else strange is happening as well, and it's worth our paying attention to. Have you heard of SatanCon? Yeah, I'm not making this up. I wish I were. We'll tell you about it coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and my thanks again to Glenn Damon, the author of the book, The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. We have three copies to give away here on this uh, Everyone Wednesday here at The Bottom Line Show, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 
That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Three copies of this book to give away here on Everyone Wednesday, and that means your chances of winning something are really good. And I know people who really like to get a chance to win stuff. <laughs> so I'm one of those people. Uh, that's part of the reason why I love uh, Everyone Wednesday so much. Hey, I came across a story. You know, we've been talking about revival, and we've been talking about all the strange things that have been happening, the unusual, the exciting things that are happening. The revival that started at Asbury University has continued. It moved off campus and it's, it's found its way to Texas A&M. It's found its way to Baylor. Um, a lot of schools are entertaining this. And I, I watched a video earlier today on YouTube of a pastor who, uh, a former college professor, he's retired now, who actually was on staff at Asbury. And he said, you know, he wouldn't call what's happening necessarily a revival per se. He called it an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's fair. I mean, revival is interesting because, you know, it, it it's uh, when it does spread, it spreads really like wildfire. Um, coming up later this week, I think on Good News Friday, I'm going to be privileged to have uh, Kevin Downs with me to talk about um, the Jesus Revolution movie. Kevin's one of the producers of the movie. He's a resident here of Southern California and a regular contributor to the bottom line. So I'm hoping to get Kevin on the program on Friday to talk about the Jesus Revolution. Lisa and I saw it over the weekend. I got a nice text from Jim and Stephanie Cover last night. They said they went and saw it, said it's a powerful movie. And it really does remind us of what was revival 50 years ago. Uh, kind of bookending the story. It talks about the early 70s. I know some people have expressed their concerns that, uh, uh, you know, that, that this is a, a movie that doesn't necessarily take into consideration all of like the Jesus people music per se. There is a, uh, a documentary that came out last year, I believe, called The Jesus Music, and it's really well done. It's kind of a 80s, 70s, maybe a little 90s contemporary Christian music, and it's not a deep dive, but it is a very well done documentary. I appreciated it, and I know Lisa appreciated it because she kept saying, who are these people? Um, which is something to take into consideration when you're watching something like the Jesus Revolution or you know something else is that oftentimes if you were part of something that was that big and that powerful, your tendency is to think, well, everybody was impacted by this in a positive way, and that's not always the case. But when it comes to revival, I think of a definition that I heard from a pastor, and this was probably at least five years ago, maybe 10. And I don't know why it stuck with me. I don't remember the pastor's name, but he was talking about revival in the biblical sense and said, hey, here's something to consider. When it comes to revival, we often in the church think about the fact that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin, and you know when the Holy Spirit sweeps across the land, all these people wind up becoming Christians, and we say, boy, isn't revival really wonderful? But remember the revival of the Jesus people movement in the late 60s and early 70s kind of began around the same time of the civil rights movement, and you had a lot of people in the church who were involved in that, and then Time Magazine's famous article asking the question, is God dead in the middle of all the free love and experimentation, that there was the question about whether or not the U.S. was moving away from the Judeo-Christian biblical worldview. And when George Barnett joins me next week to give you the latest update on that, it's, it's frightening to see how many people saw how the church got stronger during the pandemic, but the number of people holding to a biblical worldview actually went down dramatically 
Um, it's wow. It's just it's it's incredible to think. But this definition that I heard from this pastor with regard to revival, I think, was very very apropos. Because he said the great thing about revival is when you know revival has approached the land when people are making decisions either for Christ or against Christ. And I thought, well, that's silly. I mean, initially, that was my first reaction. I mean, wouldn't revival just automatically assume that people were getting saved and they were coming to heaven? But then I started drilling down on it a little bit, and God led me to spend several days in prayer kind of mulling what this guy had said, and he was right. Revival isn't necessarily everybody gets an A. You know, everyone gets a perfect score. Everyone's going to get eternal life. But revival is when people have to step forward, are compelled by the power of the Holy Spirit, confronted with the gospel, and then make a decision. Now I know all my Lutheran friends are squirming right now, saying, what do you mean no one makes a decision for Christ? There's no decision theology. Now here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about decision theology. I believe that God gives people the gift of faith so that they might receive the gift of salvation. And for those who do not receive the gift of faith, they can't receive the gift of salvation. Either way, how many times in Scripture do you see Jesus saying, do you want to be healed? If you took that, there's no decisions made on behalf of Christ for literally for granted, then basically no one would ask to be healed. Why do we even pray? God already knows. God's already done the work. Why do we ask? The reality is a wise Lutheran pastor was the one who set me straight on this. He said, look, I've shared this with you before. He said, here's the difference between decision theology and responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He said, decision theology says, you know what? There's money in the bank and I want to go get it. I want to get some. I'm going to go out and find a job and I'm going to earn money and put it in the bank and watch it grow and I'm going to get rich. But what if I told you there is a couple million dollars in your local bank branch? You'd probably say, well, of course there are because people borrow money all the time and other people are making deposits and that makes a lot of sense. Okay, now what if I told you there's a million dollars in a savings account that has your name on it and all you have to do is receive it? Well, you, would, you wouldn't think twice. You would just right on out the door, right? He said, that's what your decision for Christ is about. It's not deciding to follow Jesus like you're willing yourself to do it, but it's deciding, hey, wait a minute. I, the decision I'm making is when you present the gospel to me, the true gospel, you're a sinner, you live in a sinful fallen world, you can't free yourself from your sin. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sin on the cross. Do you believe that his death pays the penalty for your sin, settles up that debt, wipes the slate clean, and provides eternal life for you? Yes, I do. I believe that and I receive it. Okay, so the decision that I've made, if you will, is that I believe that the work has been done. So true revival is going to happen when people start making that decision either to follow Christ or not to follow Christ. And we're trusting the ones who made the decision to follow Christ did so under the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know, um, you know, it's amazing how when you see the uh, what's happening in the culture right now, we see a lot of people coming to faith, a lot of people being baptized, and that's good. But what about the people who aren't? What about the people who are so bold in their sin that they're actually deciding to not follow Jesus? There's an organization that bills itself as the Satanic Temple, and they have been doubling down on black masses and all sorts of things to happen in the culture 
that demonstrate an allegiance to Satan and not the Lord. So have they made that decision to not follow Jesus? Well, let's ask the people who are going to SatanCon coming up next month. What in the world is SatanCon? We'll tell you coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I just finished a meeting in Africa with a group of guys. And I said to them, here's the deal. They want to know how things are going in the United States. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are crummy. But I said, what you do every day is you get up every day, gentlemen, and you realize that none of this matters. God is in control. And if you believe that, then it, it's all downhill. And, and I said to them, I said, so as we struggle here with the things that we're planning to do here in Africa, it's exciting to see all the things that you guys want to do and the plans you're making. Just know that God is in charge. And so, and the bad things that are happening in the United States, God is going to work all them to good, Romans 8, 28. That's the only solution is just go back every day to Jesus and ask him, for guidance and what you're supposed to be doing. Amen and amen. Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's everyone Wednesday, and it's a snowy day here in the Southland. Uh, we've still got a couple minutes left for you to get in on the conversation as far as the call-in for Glenn Damon's book, The Lighthouse, Discovering uh, the Security and the Radiance of God's Character. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one, not two, but three copies of the book to give away right now. Uh, we're doing so. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, who's taking Is Todd taking the calls? This is all Teresa. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Are we experiencing true revival? Well, we talk about is hell freezing over? Well, it's snowing in Huntington Beach, so maybe it is. But revival as defined by a pastor who gave me great wisdom many years ago is that people will be led to make a decision for Christ, either for or against. And I think as we see more and more young people, especially making the decisions for Uh, faith and saying, yes, I will follow Jesus. You know, here I stand, I can do no other. More and more people have been selling out for their sin for years. TV's gotten more pornographic. Music's gotten horrible. The internet, oh my goodness. I got a story coming up in the next week or so with a young woman who was addicted to porn in high school. She's now in her late 30s and great Christian mom who tells her story about how common it is for young girls to be addicted to porn as well as boys. And then you get this announcement. There's a group that calls itself the Satanic Temple. These are the guys who've been having these after-school Satan clubs that go to public schools where they have like uh, release time Bible fellowship and fellowship of Christian athletes and stuff like that. And they teach people not about Satan, but about being good people and et cetera, et cetera. A few years ago, they made headlines. We covered this here on the Bottom Line Show, where they actually rented space at the Tulsa, Oklahoma Civic Center to um to uh, they were having holding a black mass which is basically a reverse eucharist where they don't celebrate the body and blood of jesus but they basically keep him dead and um well the satanic temple that says they're not really about satanists actually does um celebrate religious holidays and coming up april 28th 29th and 30th the satanic temple is hosting an event called SatanCon. 
Now, CON, of course, the abbreviation for convention, and there's all sorts of different conventions. There's Comic-Con for the comic world and, you know, the romance con for romance novelists and this, that, and the other thing. But there are also pornographic versions of this too. Adult con and things like that. So Satan con doesn't seem that be, it would be that much different. But they promise on their website that this will be, quote, a weekend of blasphemy and remembrance. They'll feature lectures, panels, live entertainment, and a, quote, unquote, satanic marketplace. Sessions include a retrospective from the Satanic Temple founders Lucian Graves and Malcolm Jerry, lectures on topics reclaiming the trans body, Satanism and the BIPOC experience. I don't know what that stands for. And then this is something interesting too. For all the people who have been claiming that they're deconstructing their faith, they're now ex-evangelicals instead of evangelicals and leaving the church, there will be a lecture sponsored by the Satanic Temple on the topic of deconstructing your religious upbringing. Brothers and sisters, the more we see stories like this and the more we see other people going in the opposite direction, hard for the Lord, all I can say is summarily, I believe revival is upon us. And I say that a month after Asbury began and realizing that we have uh, so many different, um, you know, things that are happening in the culture right now that are of greater importance than just what are you having for dinner and where are you going on vacation. Uh, we've got a link for this article up at thebottomlineshow.com if you do have any questions about this. Hey, we'll take a quick break. It's time for our KCBC audience to uh, uh, say adios for the live part. And you've got uh, Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. Uh, for those who remain on the network, Alexa Childers has written a book on the topic of living your truth, which is a popular New Age lie. She has a new book out called Live Your Truth and Other Lies Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. We're going to take a listen to that conversation on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we are going to tackle some of the lies that are happening in the culture right now that are often uh, represented as truth. If you've ever heard someone say things like live your truth or live your best life now or, or whatever, uh, we have a real treat for you today. Uh, Lisa Childers is joining us here to talk about her brand new book. She is a, uh, an apologist, a wife, a mom, an author, a speaker, and a worship leader. You may remember her as part of the uh, CCM recording group that won many, many awards back in the day called Zoe Girl. Uh, she is now uh, a host of, the, well, you can con connect with her at lisachilders.com. She is an apologist who has a very, I believe, uh, refreshing and unique perspective on events that are happening in the culture and unapologetically uh, defending the Christian faith. Her brand new book that just came out is called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Elisa Childers, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, this is a great conversation, and I'm so glad you went after these individual kind of uh, truths, if you will, because we were having this conversation not too, too long ago with our adult children. The, the idea that there are so many people who want to say, well, here's the deal. This is my truth, you know, and I'm, I'm just living my truth. And if you don't accept my truth, it's kind of like people have become the, their own standard of morality. Uh, what was it about What's happening in the culture right now that led you to say, I got to put this down on paper. I mean, we, need, we need something that kind of gives us a roadmap to kind of navigate 
things that people will say so convincingly in the culture, but they really don't have any basis in scripture. Right. Well, uh, you know, so my area of focus is progressive Christianity. So I was reading a lot of books written by progressive Christians who basically, you know, progressive Christianity denies the idea that human sin would separate humans from God. So the the gospel in progressive Christianity is just you need to realize that you are united with God. You've never been separated. And I think that that is the type of message that has gained a lot of momentum in culture, even outside the church. If you think about all of the messaging that is is pumped at us through places like Netflix and books and media. It's all about how wonderful you are. Like you right. are just perfect, just as you are. You're enough for yourself. And so I started to see that that messaging kind of cross over even into the church really through the vehicle of progressive Christianity. So I wanted to talk about it from a more um, kind of addressing the more pop level influencers who are promoting these ideas and really showing how unbiblical they are, but not just showing how unbiblical they are, but the more beautiful story the Bible has to tell and the, the more beautiful way of life the Bible has to offer us. You know, it's interesting when you talk about that, oftentimes it really comes down to being a zero-sum game for a lot of people, especially in the progressive kind of left-leaning church, where it is, this is my truth, this is my reality, or whatever I think, you know, I'm enough, so you can't question me, and then you have to choose yes or no to me, rather than saying, wait, doesn't 1 Corinthians 13 start out with, let me show you a more excellent way? I mean, isn't the whole point of the gospel message, you once were lost, but now you're found? I mean, that, that there are people who are just kind of settling for this live your best life now mentality without realizing that really isn't biblical. And, and yet I, I admire the way, Elisa, you have taken your ministry into the, it, right into the teeth of this, you know, the progressive uh, type of mantra, because it really started to kind of eat away at you in your own uh, background. Tell, give us a little bit of, uh, about your story about how the progressive movement kind of came for you. Yeah, they, it sure did. So after Zoe Girl came off the road, my husband and I started attending a, a non-denominational evangelical church right in the heart of the Bible Belt in Middle Tennessee, where we were living. And uh, we loved it. We loved the pastor's intellectual approaches to his sermons. We loved the sense of community we found with the people there. And so we really made this church our home. And after about eight months of us attending there, the pastor invited me to be a part of a smaller group that would meet uh, on a weekday. This was going to be a very exclusive group that he compared to seminary. He said, we're going to dive really deep and go, go into the deep issues. And so I was really excited. But um, what I didn't realize at the time and what I was totally unprepared for was that the pastor had already deconstructed his faith and was actually trying to get other people into deconstruction. So mm. he was picking apart and explaining away all of these core doctrines of the Christian faith that I had believed my whole life. And so it really wasn't until we left the church that all of those doubts that were planted in the class took root in my own heart. And it propelled me into a crisis of faith that led me really to the edge of agnosticism. So I cried out to God, asked him to show himself if he's really no. real. And um, the, the Lord in his faithfulness led me to the study of apologetics, church history, theology, philosophy, science, all the things uh, that really led me to the conclusion after years of studying that uh, the Christian worldview is based in reality. Like this, the, the claims that it makes about itself, according to the Bible or who Jesus is, those all stand the test yeah. of scrutiny. They stand, they stand the uh, up against the evidence. And so um, I love to just be able to help other people. But the thing, the thing that's unique about my story is that it happened in a church and that church would later go on to rebrand itself as a progressive Christian community. Mm. Wow. And that's amazing when you hear that, because I think there are a lot of people who would 
gladly say, hey, look, we can look at church history and see where, especially here in the United States, where we've gotten it wrong, where we've made mistakes, you know, where there were passages used to support slavery and things like that. You know, th th there, there are things that have been taken out of context. And, and I think any discerning Christian should be able to look at those stories and say, yeah, they, they, they kind of whiffed on that one big time. But for you to have a pastor to try to draw you into the fact that they were so-called deconstructing their faith, what's the point of deconstructing if you're not going to rebuild? I mean, if you're going to take something apart, I had a neighbor when I was growing up, uh, he was always tinkering with his dad's motorcycle. And it was, he loved to just take it apart, but at some point he had to put it back together again and ride it, you know, either because he didn't want his dad to find out what he was doing or because he was, he was just trying to study the engine and see what the internal stuff is. And it sounds to me like in your journey, Elisa Childers, one of the things that you were able to find was in going through this kind of deconstruction process yourself, you were able to rebuild a real and solid faith. And, and I, something tells me God really welcomes that among his children, that we have that kind of curiosity. I think that's right. And I'm actually writing a book on deconstruction right now. And mm. really deconstruction, a lot of people naively, I think, think about deconstruction kind of like you've described, like taking apart a car and putting it back together. Right. But in the deconstruction movement, that's really not what it's about. It's really about demolishing the the mm. foundations of historic Christianity and moving from the authority of the Bible, even the authority of objective truth and moving that to the authority of self. And I think we see that manifest in the deconstruction movement so much because often in the deconstruction movement, they'll even tell you, you know, it's not about reconstructing. We don't care what you end up believing. Right. We don't care right. where you land as long as you deconstruct what you came from. And so um, it's an interesting phenomenon we're seeing happen. Um, and I, you know, in my book, Another Gospel, I described what happened to me as deconstruction. But honestly, after I've studied it, I've kind of backed off using that word. It was the best word I had at the time, right, but I right. always wanted to know what was true. I did not want to just go with, you know, I didn't want to follow my heart. I wanted to line up what I yeah. believe with reality. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that phrase. At least Childers is with me today here on the bottom line. Her brand new book is called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions that Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. That whole, uh, you know, God just wants you to be happy mentality. That, I mean, that that's a, uh, it seems like a pretty huge lie that a lot of people in the church have bought. You know, if you're not happy and having fun all the time, if you're not, you know, overflowing with confidence and success, and oh, by the way, you've got a lot of money and a nice house too, then you're really not living the Christian life. Help us understand why that really isn't rooted in scripture and, and what's the antidote for that. Right. And I think that, you know, this is one of the big kind of keystone lies that so many other ones are built upon, because I think it's very tempting, even like thinking about being a Christian parent. Of course, I want my kids to be happy, right? Like it can be, it can be tempting as a parent to want to remove every obstacle that would make my kid uncomfortable right. or unhappy. But mm -hmm. we know that those obstacles, if they're forced to experience that discomfort and even sometimes suffering, it causes them to be stronger and it causes them to be more compassionate and deeper people. And so we know that God uses those things in our life. And ultimately, I think what what the world describes happiness as is just like a temporary feeling of contentment, you know, something you might experience by having a perfect day at the beach or a nice cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that's not God's goal for us. God's goal for us is to be in relationship with him. That's actually the purpose for which we were created was to worship God and be in his presence forever. That's why we are here. And so anything we seek to put in that, in the place of that is, you know, it might make us feel good in a moment, but ultimately it's not going to hit the 
bullseye of what really makes us tick because we won't be fulfilling our purpose. And so it's sort of like a, a dog chasing its tail when we, when we say, oh, well, I just want, you know, as long as I'm happy and successful, then everything's fine. But that's ultimately not God's goal. I mean, for my kids, I think about it like, I mean, yes, I want them to, I don't want them to have lives filled with suffering, but ultimately more than being happy, I want them to follow Christ yeah. and whatever that means and whatever comes with it. That's, that's my goal for them. Well, I think it's a, it's, this is a great read, and I highly recommend it to our listeners. Elisa Childers is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and her brand new book is called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions that Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, Self-Obsessed. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. On the other side of this break, we're going to go after one of the ones I'm so glad Elisa takes on in this book that is often thrown back in the faces of Christians, especially from the totalitarian left, but also from the progressive church as well, with regarding to judging not because we don't want to be judged ourselves. What exactly does that mean? And uh, I, I love the phrase that Lisa has for that. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You know, I just finished a meeting in Africa with a group of guys. And I said to them, here's the deal. They want to know how things are going in the United States. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are crummy. But I said, what you do every day is you get up every day, gentlemen, and you realize that none of this matters. God is in control. And if you believe that, then it, it's all downhill. And, and I said to them, I said, so as we struggle here with the things that we're planning to do here in Africa, it's exciting to see all the things that you guys want to do and the plans you're making. Just know that God is in charge. And so and the bad things that are happening in the United States, God is going to work all of them to good, Romans 8, 28. That's the only solution is just go back every day to Jesus and ask him for guidance on what you're supposed to be doing. Amen and amen. Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Alisa Childers is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, award-winning musician, and now I think a very important apologist and evangelist all at the same time. Uh, her brand new book is called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Do you suspect, Alisa, that part of the reason why we're seeing greater incidents of anxiety and depression and, and people are just so self-consumed? I mean, I would have said, well, anxious because of you know covid and the pandemic and exhausted because we're always on social media and self-obsessed because we can't stop looking at ourselves in the mirror um that those are some reasons but maybe the larger issue is something more spiritual than temporal let's talk about that yeah well it's interesting because i you i chose those descriptions you know anxious exhausted and self-obsessed particularly exhausted because as i was researching for this book and reading books written by pop level influencers who are basically promoting a lot of these lives. I felt exhausted reading the books mm. because mm -hmm. it's like they would, on one hand, they would tear away the foundations of Christianity and lead you away from that. But at the same time, give you a laundry list of things you have to do. You have to read this study. You have to join this Facebook group. Right. You got to do the work here. It's do the work, do the work, do the work. And it's just exhausting. In fact, one particular book I was reading, I read this entire book of just how terrible Christianity is, how terrible the church is, how terrible, terrible, and then the laundry list. And then it ends with this chapter on telling the truth and how important honesty is. And I remember just thinking, my goodness, you could have saved yourself all of this work <laughs> yeah. and just read the Bible, right? yeah. you know? Right. So, and I think too, um, studies are showing among Gen Z that we're more exhausted, they're more exhausted than ever. In fact, tired 
weird is is one of the emotions they reported feeling the most. They're also, I think what's undergirding the whole thing on a spiritual level is a rejection of absolute truth. So we yeah. know from studies with uh, Gen Z that the dominant worldview of people 20 or so and under is moral relativism, meaning like what is, as far as what's good or bad, what we should or shouldn't do, that's relative to each person. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we're seeing skyrocketing levels of depression and anxiety and all these other things that are going along with it. So I really do think there's a correlation there. I think when we unhitch ourselves from the eternal foundational truths of God's word, which by the way, don't make you exhausted and anxious because they don't change. They're not going to pull the rug out from underneath you. You can stand on them. They've stood the test of time. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of Christians have testified to uh, the truthfulness of, of these things working themselves out in their lives. So, you know, we don't have to get on the hamster wheel of social media where it's like, you know, check social media every five minutes to find out where you're supposed to think. Um, That's exhausting. And that's, that causes anxiety. And, but, but it's all based on objective truth being a real thing because Christianity makes exclusive claims about itself. And so in that sense, Christianity is true for everyone, whether they believe it or not, which means it has eternal consequences for everyone. But our our culture has largely rejected the idea that if objective truth even exists, that it could be known. Yeah. And it's so amazing to see that the correlation between, as you mentioned, Lisa Childers, the, 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 the negative impacts of not believing that. And yet the reality of, you know, if I walk out on a sunny day and tell everybody it's raining and thunder and everybody run inside, they'll look at me like I'm nuts. But it seems like when somebody else says, well, I up is down and left is right, then, oh, okay, well, I, I, you know, and and here's my new book and my new video series and subscribe to my podcast, you know, (laughs) so we can talk about how miserable we are. It's, it's amazing how when you don't choose to live your truth, but when you to live God's truth then we do find that peace and we do find that joy. Elisa Childress, my guest today, your truth and other lies, exposing popular deceptions that make us anxious, exhausted, self-obsessed. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You do uh, take on the 800-pound gorilla in the room. If I see this one more time in the New York Times or Washington Post or whatever, say, well, here come the Christians once again, and they shouldn't be judging because it says in the Bible, and they quote, you know, this much of Matthew 7, and next thing you know, um, well, we, we shouldn't be judging people. You have a chapter where you use a term that's now my new favorite word, but I want <laughs> you to share it because there's a reason why you picked this term about the whole, why does the world get judgment wrong, especially progressive Christians? Right. Well, the, the chapter of the book is called McJudgy Pants. <laughs> and I chose that word because I can't tell you how many times I would write a blog post or review a progressive book and somebody would come in my comment section and call me judgmental. And then I started to notice people would say things like, oh, don't be such a McJudgy Pants. And I mm-hmm. thought, what a title for a chapter. And yeah, so we call this the atheist's favorite Bible verse, right? Judge not lest you be judged. That is the verse everybody pulls out when you make any claim about objective truth, especially when it comes to morality. Right. And they're quoting Jesus, of course, but they're just picking that one little phrase he said right out of the context within which he said it, which was actually giving instructions on how to confront another brother or sister in Christ 
in their sin. That's yeah. taking speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus is saying, don't do that hypocritically. He said, take the log out of your own eye so that you will be able to see clearly to help your brother take the speck out of his eye. So the whole point of the passage is to equip you to help your brother take the speck out of his own eye. And of course, Jesus wasn't saying we should never make judgments about people. In fact, in that same passage, he refers to people as dogs and he says, don't throw your pearls before pigs. Right, right, we have right. to do some judging to figure out who are the dogs and who are the pigs and all of these things. But we also know that's not what Jesus meant because in John, he said in the gospel of John, he says, don't, don't judge based on appearances, but judge with right judgment. So he's telling us actually to judge with correct judgment. And so, you know, this is something that just gets taken really out of context. Even Paul said, as Christians, it's not really our business to judge those outside the church, but we are to judge those inside the church. And that's to keep the church um, protected from the contagion of sin, but also to restore the sinner back to God and back to the church. So, you know, as Christians, we just, we live by different standards. You know, we have to get off the hamster wheel of culture and just, and, and be comfortable with living according to what the Bible says we should do. Well, you were talking about restoring someone to Lisa Childers though, and let's face it, the left and progressives don't want restoration. I mean, no. they, 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 they want reduction or demolition or whatever, but they're really, they're, it, it, it's the antithesis of the gospel of that Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost, not to seek and destroy the lost. And uh, that it's a point that you make very well in your new book, Live Your Truth and Other Lives, Exposing Popular Deceptions that Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have a couple of minutes left in our conversation, Elisa, and it's been so helpful, I think, for our listeners to hear your description of what it was like to kind of wander in the deconstruction mode, now realizing you know, how it helped, God used it to help you reconstruct. We all have somebody in our family and the holiday season's coming up, but we all have someone in our family who either you know, has this you know, crossed armed, you know, pursed lip expression, they don't mm -hmm. wanna hear about it from us, or maybe worse, they've kind of moved into progressive Christianity and they've kind of got a kind of an air of superiority. How do we embrace? Because I mean, it's too easy in a cancel culture, especially to say, well, I can't talk to them either. So we're just not going to talk. But against the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. How do you recommend in this cancel culture that we live in where so many people believe lies that are uh, they think are true? How do mm. we help confront them? Yeah, it's, it, it really is tough. It, it, I think it depends on your relationship with the person and how open they are to talking about these things. I think there are some uh, scenarios in which the best you'll be able to do is just stay in their life, show them a lot of love, live the mm -hmm. beauty of the gospel out in front of them, especially if they've said, look, I don't want to talk about religion with you. Um, uh, you know, of course, there I have various relationships like that in my life, too, where I just with some people, I just have to show the fruit of the gospel in my yes, life and let them yes. see the peace that I have, the joy that I have, because ultimately this whole deconstruction culture, cancel culture, none of that leads to real deep abiding peace or any kind of a sense of joy. It's very fear-based. It's very anxious. It's very um, pessimistic. It's very uh, totalitarian, as you mentioned before. So, but you know, if there are open doors to talk about these things, I think asking questions is a great way to get people thinking, asking yeah. questions like, tell 
tell me more about that or help me understand that. Or what do you mean by that? You know, might be using the same phrase or the same word, but meaning different things. And, um, you know, how, how did you come to that conclusion or what was, what was your thinking to get you there? And then, you know, maybe after that, you can even, uh, ask questions like, well, you know, have you considered this point of view or, or maybe this particular fact or something like that. But I think asking questions is a great way to keep the heat from getting too, you know, blood pressure getting too high and all of that in, in some of these tense conversations. Yeah, that's great wisdom from Elisa Childers today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. In addition to a link for Elisa's website as well, you can connect with her there, ask great questions, find out where she's speaking. Are you out and about? Are you doing uh, kind of the speaking circuit again? Or what, how, how, what's the best way for us to really benefit from your ministry in terms of, I know the, the podcast, it's outstanding, but how else could we interact with you? Yeah, well, I have been doing quite a bit of speaking lately. In fact, right before I'm actually, um, I'm at, not too far from where you are right now. I'm in the LA area on Catalina Island right now as we speak. Just came from Las Vegas where I spoke at a women's conference at a Calvary Chapel there. So I'm doing some speaking, but probably the best way to connect is through my YouTube channel. Just search my name, Elisa Childers, or the Elisa Childers podcast on audio platforms. That's kind of the best way to keep up with everything. But of course, you can go to elisachilders.com for all the information. One click there and it. it gives you everything you're looking for. Alisa Childers, thank you so much for this great book and for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, this is such a great topic and it couldn't be more timely uh, revisiting my discussion with Alisa Childers today here on The Bottom Line, talking about her brand new book, I guess I should say her most recent book, uh, Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and in a culture where we see that um, we see that people are going really hard and heavy for their faith in Christ and newfound faith in Christ. And other people are going to Satan con and just living out their reality and saying that all truth is my truth, whether or not it's God's. Uh, this is a timely resource and we do have a copy of the book to give away here on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, Elisa Childers' book is called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else. Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 
833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year. So give a gift right now. My thanks again to Elisa Childers. She's the author of the outstanding book called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, exposing popular deceptions that make us anxious, exhausted, and self-obsessed. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and a copy of the book that we're giving away today here on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you remember... Um, the, the the times Elise has been on with us before, she was a part of the award-winning contemporary Christian music recording group, Zoe Girl. And she wrote a really great, uh, actually she wrote and then uh, videoed a great powerful video about the Asbury revival, things that she was looking for uh, that would, in, in terms of, uh, you know, what would make this real and, you know, what would make it kind of counterfeit for her if she saw something else. One of the things I appreciate about Elisa, she doesn't publicize this enough, but from what I understand, she grew up in the Jesus movement. Um, Elisa's dad, if I understand correctly, is Chuck Gerard, founding member of the group Love Song. So her entree into the contemporary Christian music world and then to apologetics, if anybody understands what a true revival looks like, it would be Elisa Childers. And I love the fact that she offers some pretty sober advice to people who are wanting to experience what revival is all about. We'll put a link for that video up at thebottomlineshow.com as well. But the reality is the only truth is God's truth. When Jesus says, I, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father by, by me, that's pretty much it. Everything else around it, all the other religious expressions may feel good to certain people and they might get other people to agree with them. But the reality is the only way to everlasting life is receiving, believing and receiving the salvation that Jesus Christ provided for you and for me on the cross. We are sinful. We can't be in God's presence unless that debt has been paid. But once it has been paid, we can walk in newness of life with our Lord and Savior from now and all eternity. That is good news. And that's the bottom line.